Welcome to Clock Out, the Vicarious Life Podcast. This is for the mavericks of the world who are embracing freedom and discovering purpose. Need a surge of inspiration? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Tracy Miller, a free-spirited, joy-seeking entrepreneur who is on a mission to find like-minded, open-hearted freebirds to share their stories of triumph, struggle, and inspiration. Until you're ready for your own adventure, let's clock out and live vicariously through others who have blazed the trail. Welcome to the next episode of Clock Out, The Vicarious Life. Today, we've got Eric Babin with us, and he is retired after 26 years active duty Navy and now travels the U.S. in an RV, and he also owns and operates an online radio station that I believe he operates from his RV. Welcome, Eric. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for having me, Tracy. I certainly appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. Yes, thank you. It's The honor is mine. Um, I'm here in Montana as, well, I shouldn't say as always. I, I travel a little bit myself. Where do I find you today? Uh, well, we do travel a lot, but our home base is in the Texas Hill Country near Bandera, Texas. So that's where we are today. We have about another two weeks before we head over to Florida for a few days. Oh, nice. Okay. And so what what um, stems you to or, or drives you to, to travel, say, in a couple of weeks? Are you guys pretty random or do you have family or do you have some sort of a schedule that you and a, a reason for your travels now? Well, yes, uh, we travel. The, the primary pur- purpose of our uh, travel now is to promote and do remote broadcasts from Trop Rock Music Festivals. Trop Rock, for lack of a better definition, just think of a uh, Music inspired by the islands, music, songs about beaches, boats, bars. Uh, a lot of people say, you, you mean Jimmy Buffett music? Well, yeah, kind of Jimmy Buffett, Kenny Chesney. Kenny Chesney, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but these music festivals that we go to are uh, 90% independent singer-songwriters that do this type of music, and it's a subgenre of music. And so we travel to these music festivals uh, to promote our station when we're there and to do a uh, live broadcast. And we do the, the music, the shows going on, we broadcast those live. So if you can't make it to this music festival, that's okay. You tune into Radio Trap Rock and we got it for you. You're going to hear what's going on live there at the music festival. Oh my God, that is so cool. Um, I, I think a very obvious question is why this genre? Is it just your favorite or is, is it like the music, the lifestyle, all of it? Why'd you choose this genre to specialize? Yeah, you got the music and the lifestyle, and it it all stems back to my childhood. Uh, I grew up in North Texas uh, on Lake Texoma, and my father was a recreational sailor, and we had sailboats, and so he would take me out, you know, with the family. We'd go out sailing on Lake Texoma, and I fell in love with that beach, water, uh, Mm -hmm. boat lifestyle. And so, obviously, when it was time, the the Gulf War was going on in 91, and uh, I was you know, I, I had I was going to junior college. I went to a major university. Didn't do very well because I was not disciplined at all. Sure. And then so so I went to a junior college. Moved back home. Went to a junior college and was doing really well GPA wise. Uh, but I was working night audit at a hotel. And you know night audit it's pretty quiet. You're just doing paperwork. And of course I had CNN on watching. And the Gulf War broke out. And I was watching these these men and women that are you know fighting this war, making a difference and. And being the patriotic person I am, I'm like, that's, that's, you know, they're making a difference. Here I am um, floundering through junior college, don't really don't what, what I want to do with my life. Sure. And the, they're, they're doing something that's 
you know, making a difference. So I went, of course, talked to the Navy recruiter because I like boats. And so, yeah, so I, I enlisted and, you know, they give you time to, you know, put your affairs in order before they ship you off to boot camp. And I got 90 days. And of course, the war lasted about 100 hours, you know, certainly not 90 days. Sure. And so sure. by, by the time by the time I got out of boot camp, you know, I was thinking, you know, when I joined, I'm going to war. You know? Well, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing that I didn't go to war because war was over. But I was assigned to a ship in the Caribbean that did counter drug operations. So my first two years in the Navy and here it is a guy that loves the beach. It kind of worked out. I am I am going to, you know, uh, Aruba, Bonaire, Carousel. Key West, Cuba, uh, I mean, just all this time, you know, we, of course we'd be at sea doing these kind of drug ops, but every, every week or 10 days we'd stop in, you know, a very tropical port. And so I'm just sitting there going, this just kind of worked out, you know, and, you know, I wanted to go to war, but I think going to the beach is okay too. (laughs) That's so fun. And, And while I was doing this, you know, during the, during lunch, you know, all the sailors, you know, we'd get, you know, our our lunch off and we'd go eat and then we'd go out and enjoy the sun. And the view of the Caribbean on, as we're sailing around the Caribbean. And a friend of mine handed me a cassette of Jimmy Buffett. It was Feeding Frenzy. Mm. And so I started listening to it. And I'm like, you know what? This, this, I like this music because it's a lot about the beach and boats and bars and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we went to Key West a lot uh, as in spending time in that area. So I go over to, to uh, Margaritaville, which was in Key West, still is on Duval Street. And I, I'm like, what is this Parrothead thing? What is this about? And so, of course, Parrotheads are Jimmy Buffett fans. Okay. And so I really, I'm like, well, this is the type of lifestyle that I really enjoy. So that's when I started to get into that type of music. Mm. And then my third third duty station, I was in uh, Southern California in San Diego. And because I like this type of music, I kind of met up with the Parrothead Club in San Diego. And this was around 96 to 97. And then I, they were they were having these uh, independent singer-songwriters come in and play the happy hours and at a small music festival that was in San Diego. And I was and they were singing the t- same type of music. And it wasn't called Trop Rock yet. It wasn't called that until the early 2000s. Mm. But, and so I'm listening to this music going, well, what the heck? These independent singer-songwriters are singing the same type of music, the same topic. And so that's when I started to learn about uh, that type of music. And then, of course, it became uh, trap rock in the mid-2000s, give or take. And so that's that's kind of how I got into that type of lifestyle. Wow. That's, that is, so that's a great military career. <laughs> Was that, so, so you start out in the Caribbean. Like, that's just kind of unheard of. I've got a, my stepson is in uh, right now he's in Virginia and he's getting ready to go to Japan and that's like ooh that's yeah. amazing I cannot wait to to tell him tonight that I talked to somebody that got his first duty station. Well, my my second tour of duty was in Japan. It was in Sasebo, Japan. I spent two years there uh-huh. uh, on a ship, so we did a lot of traveling. That was a cool tour of duty because we were hitting tropical places like the Philippines, Thailand, uh, Okinawa, Australia, and so that was really cool. Yeah, but it was funny because you know you're you're from Montana mm-hmm. and I grew up in North Texas and I I like the warm beach area. So when I was in the Navy, you get to negotiate your next set of orders about nine months prior to your transfer date. Mm-hmm. And so I would always contact the person that was sending me, you know, going to send me orders. And I'm like, look, I am not picky. You send me anywhere south of I-10, and I will go there with a smile on my face. Yeah, just and to so, get the weather. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it worked out, I, except for the two years in Japan, 
Uh, I spent a year in Iraq uh, doing helping the army out, and a year in Djibouti, which is a small country in northeast Africa. So other than those three tours, I, it was south of I-10 the whole time. That is incredible. And, th- I mean, that's a that's a really nice 26-year-long career. Um, are, are you married now? Do you have family? Did any of that come into play during your fun travels? Well, yeah. How I met my wife is kind of funny. We say it. She was a mail-order bride. But <laughs> okay. it, it, so technically it's true. It, well, it, but so I was stationed in Japan. And, you know, I was working hard and saving money. And I'm like, well, I'm going to reward myself when I get back to the United States. I want to buy a new car. So I started working with the overseas military car sales there. And how that works is you order it in advance and they deliver it uh, to the nearest, pl- nearest place to your, your home. Okay. And so because I'm one of those guys that likes to research the heck out of things, I'm like, well, I know what cars I can afford, but what about the insurance? You know, mm-hmm. so. There was a girl that I had dated a little bit right before I left for Japan, and she lived in uh, Dallas. And so I sent her it's snail mail because I didn't have email back then. Sure. I sent, sent her a letter. Hey, you know, I need the the uh, contact information for three because I wanted to get three quotes, three insurance agents. Uh, so because I need to get quotes, so she sent me these three, and I started writing back and forth. And uh, the one that was helping me the most. I ended up going with that insurance company. It's funny because I'm like, you know, I'm thinking about buying a Corvette. And she's like, do not do that. Your insurance is going to kill you, you know. So she's helping me through this process. <laughs> and so ended up being a Ford Explorer. So I picked it up at the Ford dealer uh, near my home just in North Texas. And uh, the guy that I picked it up from when he was, you know, doing the paperwork, he's like, dude, I want to tell you, your insurance agent, I've never had someone that was so diligent about making sure their client was taken care of. <laughs> she was just making sure if she can be taken care of when he drives off a lot. I just got to make, and so I was like, and, and this, it was like a year period that we were writing back and forth and we kind of were writing personal stuff, but you know, just like, Hey, you know, tell me about yourself. And so when I uh, picked up the car and he said that, I'm like, well, it's what I should probably do to be polite. I should go uh, to this lady, this girl's office uh-huh. and take her to lunch and thank her because you know lunch is not a romantic thing it, it's yeah. it's you know it's safe so no matter what you know it, it's a safe thing so i get there and uh, she was in the back doing something but they finally got her out to the, to the front part of the office where i was sitting and we started talking and i'm like hey do you want to go to dinner because <laughs> see this i was like okay you know she's she's, she's pretty hot so i think yeah. i'll do a dinner rather, rather <laughs> than <be>. a lunch <laughs> and so uh and so then I was about to get shipped off to, uh, well, San Diego is where I was stationed, but my ship was in the Middle East. And so I was going to get shipped off. And so, you know, we kind of dated while I was at home on leave for a couple of weeks. And then she came out to San Diego and visited me uh, one or two times right before I left for the ship. But it was a hundred, right before I did leave for the Middle East, 101 days after the first day we met in person, we ended up getting married. Wow. And so... And, and it was funny because we're in, I like to tell this story and she doesn't like this part of the story, but I think it's funny. We're like, we're in Tijuana, Mexico, because she was visiting me in San Diego. And uh, we were drinking, you know, the 99 cent margaritas that are terrible. Uh-huh. And so we're sitting there drinking and, and both feeling pretty good. I'm like, you know what? Why don't we uh, take the trolley back to the San Diego courthouse? And if we make it back before they close, because it, it was like two in the afternoon. If we make it back before they close, why don't we get married? Oh. That's pretty romantic. Pretty yeah. romantic, right? <laughs> Maybe not. And sure enough, we made it at 445. We were the last couple married, and we were there in the courthouse with no one that we knew. The clerk 
was our witness that we had just met as she was doing the paperwork. And so, but it was cool because we were looking out over San Diego Bay, the window they set you up at when you're doing the ceremony, so to speak. And so sure enough, we were married and uh, that was 20, over 26 years ago and we're still going strong. Oh, that's so cool. I love how spontaneous you are, first of all, <laughs> having plans. of. I mean, it, it's interesting because you're so uh, researching things so deeply. And car insurance, I think you spent more time researching your car insurance than <laughs> did you. I did, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's well, so cool. I, I, I was married when I went into the Navy, recently married, and she didn't handle me being gone mm-hmm. very well. And so I kind of learned when I met Gina, my second wife mm-hmm. I knew all right she's the one because I know what I don't like and yeah. I know this is what I like so and I knew she could handle it so it worked out really great yeah nope that's great I think it's it, when you know you know I I married my husband after three weeks of dating we'd known each, known each other longer but we we oh, really yeah. dated well that's not true I guess we got engaged after three weeks got married after basically six so we're spontaneous too and go uh, I don't know I guess we're coming up on five years doing doing strong too so I get it <laughs> yeah, you know when a friend when your friend tells you, "Hey, I just met this girl and I want to marry," you're like, "No, you need to take your time." But so you know, but the one out of a million times it worked. It worked for us. That's right. Yep. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so that's cool. So you so you you had this great military career, um, and then you and you know, you're married. You guys have kiddos. We do uh, one son, and he actually joined the navy. Uh, but he did seven years in the Navy and his last tour of duty station mm-hmm. was Key West, oh, up duty gosh. station. And so uh, when it was time for him to transfer, he's like, I don't want to leave Key West. So he went ahead and got out and he, he works out. He's a bartender on Duval Street in Key West. Oh, how fun. So he's got the bug too. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so is, okay. So then on that, then there's got to be something to it. I, is there... Is there more to it than just the partying? Or if you're not hard into the partying itself, can you still enjoy that culture? Well, yes, you can because it's more, it's, it's escapism. Because, for example, it may be, you know, great music to listen to on the beach because, you know, it, it matches what you're seeing and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, if you're sitting in an office cubicle in a skyscraper and it's cold outside, mm-hmm. You tune in to this trop rock music, radio trop rock, and then you, you, and you, at least in your mind, you escape to the beach, and you're you're relaxing and having having a good time. And when you say is it more than just partying, uh, it is. And I want to make sure I touch on this because this is very important to the trop rock community and the Pyramid community. The Pyramids have a motto, and you may have heard it elsewhere, but it's party with a purpose. And what that means is you you are partying, you're having a good time, but there's a purpose for that, and the purpose isn't to party the purpose is for charity and so you go to these parody club or these trop rap music festivals and every one of them has a charity just as an example the next one we're going to uh, march 1st through the 5th in tampa is called music on the bay and it's put on by the tampa bay parody club and they have raised they, they this is their 11th year in a row to do this and they've raised half a million dollars for shriners children's of florida I had no idea. Just, yeah. Just last year, they raised $65,000, and they hope to beat that this year. Wow. No, that's that's really cool. So there, so there is a – I mean, I, I just think to myself, when I'm on vacation and having this – this, you know, I, I love the tropics, too. I'm, I'm 
just got back from Costa Rica. We spent, I think we did two oh, yeah. or three trips down in Florida looking for beach stuff, you know, maybe retire down there doing our research. Um, but when I'm there, I'm like, man, I'm sitting on the beach and I think to myself, I, I couldn't maintain this because it's like, I almost like the, the having drinks, you know, you go around, people are, they're having drinks at 10 in the morning. I'm like, man, I would, my liver would (laughs) die or there's more to it than just this. Like, is there a behind the scenes or because you guys are doing, um, you know, festivals, it is a short term little vacation or is there more to it behind the lifestyle than just the upfront party? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, other than, I mean, for us, how we maintain it is, because we are working, I mean, yeah, I will be at the the, the radio booth and, and have a beer. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, the first couple of years, I I learned real quick that <laughs> to to make you you can't do that every night. You can't sure. do that. And if you're and if I'm if I'm going to be on the air and all that, I have places to be early in the morning. I have sound checks. I, I got to make sure my equipment's working. And so you know, I will have one or two. But now, just recently, it's just like I I can't really do that. And Another great benefit of this is, you know, a lot of people have hundreds of Facebook friends or like thousands of Facebook friends, mm-hmm. but, and as I do, but we know these people because we've been to Seattle and hung out with them and, and had a beer with them and talked with them. And, 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 you know, we've been to, you know, the New Jersey and seen them and talked to them. And so that's another thing. We make really good friends everywhere we go. And they're, friends that we continue to see as we go to these music festivals and so that's another great byproduct of this this the genre is everybody's so friendly and anytime it well a good example we we were driving our suburban because we didn't want to take the rv up to an event we were coming back and it was at uh, in branson missouri mm-hmm. and so we're, we're driving back south on i-35 across the oklahoma border and in gainesville texas the transmission of our 2018 suburban goes out like completely we're on the highway and there are the walls of death where you can't even get off the highway so luckily we i kept starting and got it off the highway but so i kind of posted as a joke you know hey on social media hey you know we're on our way back we 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 have to get a new transmission but that's okay you know we'll be fine at least we're safe you know and then all of a sudden some friends of ours posted a fundraiser for us and and i and i contacted them like do not do that you know we're fine you know it's not under warranty but we can cover it. We're going to be fine. Mm. And ended up that the the transmission was a, a, a lot. It was a lot more than what you think it would be. And these donations covered over half of it. And oh it was like 48 God. hours later, within 48 hours, we had that, that many donations. And we're like, holy crap. And I told them, I'm like, take it down. And they're like, we're not going to take it down. You'll just have to be mad at us. But that's the type, <laughs> that's the type of community and, and the generous uh, nature of the people within the Truck Rock community are. It's if and we had people contact me they're like hey i'm two hours from Gainesville. i'll come pick you up you can stay with us until your car is fixed and we had two or three people do that it was it was amazing wow no that's awesome that's so it's a it's a is it does it expand out past the united states or does this community culture is it worldwide as well it is worldwide uh not i mean not a lot but they they are some in england uh, but we do we do have uh, what we call destination music festivals, mm. and so uh, places that we've been, uh, we did uh, a cruise that went to you know a lot of the the BVIs uh, of British Virgin Islands. So if you're familiar with the most famous beach bar in my opinion, which is the Soggy Dollar Bar in Yost Van Dyke, we have broadcast live from that bar, 
and there was because we had brought uh, chop rap musicians down there, and they were playing at the Soggy Dollar Bar, and we were broadcasting. Because anywhere we can get cell phone signal, we can broadcast live from. So we broadcast live from there, uh, Canada, uh, all over the Caribbean, in, into Mexico, and a lot of Margaritaville uh, resorts really fit in well with this type of community. Mm-hmm. Uh, this September, uh, we're taking we're going with a chop rocker, and we're going to uh, Greece, Turkey and Israel and Cyprus what? to broadcast. How fun. And yeah. And so that trip we're taking eighty of our closest friends with us to go on this destination chop rock thing. And so we'll be, you know, touring and as we're touring, you know, we'll stop one night for a, a music event at this, you know, venue, whatever, a bar or restaurant or whatever, with all, with our eighty friends. And then we'll do some tours and go to the next place and do the same thing. Oh my goodness, that sounds so much fun, like so much fun. <laughs> um, so then I guess I have to ask too, okay, so how do you, okay, first of all, what made you decide to, you know, you've got your wife, I think you said it was Ginny, is that correct? Gina. Gina, yeah. Gina, okay. So you and Gina, you're getting ready to retire from the Navy. Is she still selling insurance at this point or what's she moved on to do? Yes, yes, actually, she was still in the insurance business. Okay. And, uh. She got real lucky. We, when we were in station in Pensacola, mm-hmm. it, you know, we were, I was going to get out of the Navy at 24 years and we had already, we had a boat and we sold our boat because we were about to move back to Texas and I was going to get a job in Dallas and all the lakes in Texas were drying up at that time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we got a real estate agent. We started looking and we're, and we're like, you know what? We'd always talked about living on the beach, but I guess, you know, maybe once we move to Texas, maybe we'll find a beach vacation house somewhere or whatever. And so, lo and behold, I got promoted. And in order to accept the promotion, I had to stay in for another two years. And so I contacted the person that writes the orders, and I said, I want to accept the promotion, but I, can, will you keep me here in Pensacola for my last two years? Because I was going to do two more. Mm-hmm. And, and he agreed. And so that's when I called the wife. I'm like, well, you know, we get to stay in Pensacola for these extra two years. That's great news. So I can take the promotion. And you know what? We kept saying we're going to move to the beach. Let's do it now. Because we're living in Pensacola, we were living in base housing uh, on the Navy base. And so I started researching, because that's what I do, that's except when it comes do. to lives, I guess. Yep. <laughs> and so I was, one hour east and one hour west of Pensacola, we were looking at houses on the beach. And it became very clear very quickly that Florida homes cost a lot more, and the property taxes are way more in Florida yes. than they are in Alabama. So I guess it's because the, the beach houses in Alabama are cheaper just because, oh, I live in Alabama. Ooh, that's not as cool as saying you live in Florida. Yep. And I'm, I'm fine with that because it's the same darn beach. It, you know, it's it's the same beach. It's a beautiful beach in, in Alabama. So we ended up buying a house on the beach in Alabama. And so we, one of our neighbors, uh, when we moved there, she like comes by and says hello. She's you know, one of those neighbors that wants to, you know, welcome you. And she's like, oh, by the way, uh, there's this house concert going on uh, down the road, down West Beach, two miles. Uh, would you like to go? And I'm like, wow, what's a house concert? She goes, oh, it's just when a musician comes to somebody's house and you donate $20 or $25 or whatever to the musician. And that's how, basically, that's how they get paid to play at someone's house. Fun. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. And so Gene and I went to this house concert and it was Ricky Lamb, who's actually a Navy veteran. Ooh. And so... So obviously we got along very well and he was playing this trop rock music that I had, you know, become to love over the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so 
that's when Gene and I started thinking, well, if they can have a house concert, we, our house literally is all, it has a beach in the backyard mm. and in water. It's, it's a, the uh, lagoon side. And so I'm like, we could have house concerts. We could set the band up under the house because we're on pylons. And then everybody sits out on the beach and has a house concert. So we started doing those. And around our third or fourth one in 2016, uh, a guy that owned an internet radio station contacted me and he goes, Hey, I see you have Tom and Coley coming to your house uh, in May. Would you like that to be broadcast on the radio? I'm like, well, sure. Why not? Come on up. You can, you know, broadcast that and, and the other shows we're having later in the year. And he goes, no, I, I figured you could do it. I'm like, what do you mean? I don't, I don't know how to do that. And so basically he told me what equipment I had to buy and, uh, and gave me a little lesson on how to use it. And we just, of course, broadcast on his station using my equipment from our house. And we started doing that live. And towards the late 2016 is when Gene and I started doing, uh, going around in an RV and traveling to these music festivals, just as, you know, private citizens that want to go. And, and then, that's when the owner of the station goes, hey, why don't you broadcast remotely when you go to these events? And I'm like, okay, yeah, we can call it Trop Rock in the USA because that's what we'd be doing. Right. And, and then December of 2016 came around right before, four months before I was retiring, and somebody contacted me and goes, hey, I don't know if you've heard, but Radio Trop Rock is for sale. And I was like, it is. It's for sale, huh? <laughs> and I'm like, well, if, if – you know, because I was not getting paid by the other radio station. I was just doing it because I thought it was cool. Sure. And so, so why should I spend my money and my hard work to help promote another station? I could buy this station and Trop Rock in the USA can be on Radio Trop Rock and that's how we can do it. And so December 23rd of 16, we purchased Radio Trop Rock and I, was, I still helped out the other station until about February. And then uh, the first week of February, we did our first live broadcast on Radio Trop Rock, and that was Lone Star Luau, which is uh, at that time was in uh, Marble Falls, Texas. Now it's the Margaritaville Lake Tombro. Mm. But, and so, so that's how I got into it, started doing it, and then we realized, well, that works out because uh, I don't want to have to get a real job when I retire. <laughs> yeah. So, so we, we, we batted it back because we, we had a beautiful home. We had spent a lot more money than we should have, you know, getting it exactly how we wanted it. And my friend, who is a realtor, goes, Here's what you need to do. You rent that out. I'll, I will be your, your property manager. You rent it out, and uh, you'll, you'll be able to make your mortgage uh, every month and your property taxes. I'm like, I put my blood, sweat, and tears into this house. If somebody knocks a hole in the wall, I'm going to cry. Yes. So my wife and I, we were like, well, what do we do? If we keep the house, I'm going to have to get a real job. Or we can sell the house, jump in the RV, and travel around to all these Top Rock music festivals and promote the station and do it now while we can because if we go if you know this is the turning point if we keep the house and get a real job we're going to be stuck with real jobs forever mm. let's have fun now you know if we have to we can always get real jobs later so we we told the realtor in December that we wanted to put the house up for sale and I'm like I want to put it for sale in March because my last paycheck from the Navy will be uh, June 1st mm. and he goes he goes okay Three days later, he goes, I have somebody that wants to buy your house. I'm like, it's not even listed yet. He goes, they want to buy it. And so I go, well, I have to have to work until May 23rd. So I, we can't close before May 23rd. He goes, May 23rd it is. That's when it's going to be. Yep. So on May, May 23rd, I went into the office. It was a Friday. I went into the office and uh, signed out, you know, all right, thanks. See you guys later. I'm out. And so I, 
left. We went from there. I went from there to the title company, signed the papers on the house. The house was sold. And from there, we drove back to the house where the RV was parked and jumped in the RV and started traveling full time. Oh, my gosh. That is so much on one day. <laughs> that is crazy. No wonder you remember the exact date. It's retirement. It's selling the house. It's starting a whole new yeah. lifestyle. That is incredible. So, okay, so then, because uh, I, don't, I don't do radio. I don't know anything about radio. So then is, so you bought this radio station. So then how do you guys make money through the radio station? Is it exclusively advertising, or is there some other behind-the-scenes way that it's profitable? It is strictly through advertising, and we also get paid to show up at events and do remote broadcasts of personal appearances. Okay. And, uh and but let me tell you, when I say we get paid, it is our goal, and, and no one going to business has ever said this, but we did because I have the native pension that is it's going to be okay. You know, it's going to feed us and keep a roof over our head, so we never really have to worry about. Well, we got to make money. We just our our business plan was to break even, and by that, and, but that covers also the the travel expenses. So we wanted to be able to go to you know fifteen trap rap music festivals a year, twenty house concerts a year, and one or two trips outside the United States a year and bring in enough just to break even. And first couple of years, we, we didn't get anywhere near breaking even, but, but that's because the first year we did a, a national tour uh, and did everything for free because okay. no one knew us at that point. Right. But guess, guess what? They knew us after that year. So that's yeah. why in the year three, it, it, all that free stuff started to pay off. And so now, now we can say people go, I really want you at my event. What's it going to take? And I, then I calculate how much it's going to cost us to get there and all that. And I'll say, all right, this is how much it's going to cost. Wow. And they either say yes. Normally they say yes because it's cheaper than what they thought. And uh, then we set it up. And it's been so successful, successful. We actually just booked an event for December of 2024. That's how far out we're booking. So that's, so not only, I, I was expecting to hear you say that almost that you guys had to pay to be like media at these events, but not only are you not having to pay to go visit these places, <laughs> you get paid to be there and you have right. your advertising that also comes in through the radio station. That's, right. that sounds like a pretty sweet retirement gig. It, it is. The, the biggest expense we have is our licensing because being an internet station, you still must be licensed. So if I play, even if it's an independent singer songwriter, a friend of mine, and, and we have become friends with, you know, a lot of these uh, singer songwriters, sure. even if they're a friend of mine and they think, Oh, you can play my songs for free. Don't worry about it. That's not how it works. Mm. They, because they're, there's publishers and co-writers and all this stuff. So really they would have to submit a letter on to their publisher to say Radio Strapback has permission to do this, then that publisher has to contact us, and no one's going to do that. Sure. And so, it, plus to us, it's it's not right to because that's their work. Yeah. And so, if if I'm selling advertising on something and using your your product to lure those people in to sell the advertising, that's just not right. And so, we want to make sure they they get paid. And the the good news bad news situation is, for example, in 2020. During the COVID situation, uh, we lost a few of our sponsors because obviously businesses were going out of business. There were things just not happening. And, but yet our listenership went up 60% in that one year because everybody's stuck at home and they want to yeah. listen to the radio. And escape. Well, our, <laughs> and, escape and, and our 
our licensing is based on listenership. So our listenership went up 60% while our, our revenue was going down about 40%. And so at the end of 2020, we were basically paying out of our pocket to keep the station uh, going. And so me and the wife were like, if this doesn't turn around quick, we're going to have to pull the plug. But luckily January of 21 hit and everybody was, you know, okay, getting back out. And we did really well the first quarter of 21 and that kept us above ground. Wow. That's, that is so awesome. I think you're, you're like one of the funnest stories I think I've got to hear on this podcast. Like what a, what a fun life. Uh, what has been one of the, the coolest or most unique, just something worthwhile telling us about on your travels in the last, well, since 2016, what's something really cool that you encountered? Uh, probably, you know, I mentioned the, the Yost Van Dyke Soggy Dollar broadcasting in the, from there. Uh-huh. That was, that was kind of like a bucket. It was not only a bucket list to go to the bar. I never even thought I would broadcast from it, but you know, so we are broadcasting from there and I am behind the band because my my radio booth was set up behind where the band was and so i am sitting down at the radio booth broadcasting and right in front of me is you know the band and then and in front of them is the beach and the cartoon blue water with the catamarans and everything and i'm just like i cannot believe this is my freaking job but (laughs) this is the best job in the world and then i went to the bar to get a painkiller because that's what they're famous for there and uh, the manager was there, and I go, oh, by the way, just so you know what's going on, and you don't have a problem with this, right? I'm broadcasting live on Radio Trop Rock. Is that cool? And he goes, what? You're broadcasting live on the radio today? And I go, yeah. And he looked at the bar chair, and he goes, this man drank free all day. I'm like, oh, my God, no, it's really a bucket list. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it, it, it seems a little bit like uh, the water's part for you, and anything you touch turns to gold. Is that Does that apply to the rest of your life as well? Uh well, I do have friends uh, that have always said I'm consistently lucky. Yeah. So <laughs> that's so. what I was getting at. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, so uh, what's next? I mean, things have stabilized. Things are now sounds like they're doing really well. You guys are are kicking butt, having fun. What's uh, coming up down the road for you? Well, that, that's a great question because when we first started this, you know, we said let's do a five year plan, mm-hmm. and then we'll reassess. And, you know, and our, our thought process would be then we'd probably, you know, move into a brick and mortar house and, and settle down a little bit. And uh, we just started our seventh year. And so last year when we went to reassess, we oh, crap, we passed the five-year mark. We forgot to reassess. What are we going to do? Well, let's make it a 10-year plan. <laughs> so we're, we're, we are just continuing to enjoy going places. And now our goal, we try and go to places to there's these Trop Rock music events all over the place. So a lot of the times we will go to the same ones every year. For example, Lone Star Luau was our first one in, in uh, that we broadcast on in 17. And we just went there last weekend for their their sixth one. And we feel kind of loyal to them because they were our first. And they were that was their first one. And it, they were growing. We kind of like grew up together. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these events we go to, we go to every year. But then there are some that that we have never been. So that's kind of our goal every year is, all right, we got to hit three or four of these events that we have never been to before. And so when we work a deal with them, I probably shouldn't say this because the people that we, that we uh, had been working with uh, will go, what? You didn't work a deal for me, but we try and work a really good deal for them because we understand it's an event we haven't been to. We're going to be in front of people that we haven't seen before people that don't know us. 
and it's a promotion thing for us. So, you know, if we have to pay a hundred or two to, to make it there or whatever, that's going to be okay because we're going to get that on the backside by gaining more listeners and meeting new people. And so, I mean, we, as we book things into 2024, it's just crazy because we had somebody that had something going on in July and three months ago, they go, Hey, I, I want you at my event in uh, Port Aransas, Texas. Uh, July so so and so I go. Let me check the schedule. I go. Oh, we're already booked. We have we're in uh, Seattle that weekend. I go. I uh, tell you what. Are you going to do it in twenty four? They're like, yeah. Okay, we'll be there in twenty four. So that's why I'm telling you we we we're booking out the twenty four, and no doubt it'll be soon. We'll be in the twenty five. Wow, that's that's insane. How many how many events average? I mean, have you been doing, or do you anticipate? Considering you guys are growing, how many? Tri- I mean, trips are you taking on average a year? Uh, we, the average, I would say is probably around 12. It's there's, there's like May, May is the only month that we don't have a big event to go to, uh, this year, but then there's uh, a month. What month is it where we have two? Uh, so since we started this in very late 16, I'll still count that because that's when we bought the station. Uh, we've been to about 75 large, uh, when I say large, large for truck rock. Four to five hundred to a thousand people truck rock event. So about seventy five of those since late twenty sixteen. Wow, that's it's a lot of miles. <laughs> that is so cool. Okay, um, last question, I guess. What's the the coolest, biggest, uh, however you want to how you want to put it, um, celebrity that you've met on the road at all these different places? Uh, see, that's a tough one because a lot of the celebrities that 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 we meet. Mm-hmm. Are singers, singer songwriters that you won't recognize them, sure. but you would recognize their music, mm-hmm. uh, like Paul Overstreet. You're like, okay, who's that? Well, he's the guy that that wrote uh, some beats for Blake Shelton. He's got 27 okay. top ten top ten hits. He he wrote uh, two number one hits for Kenny Chesney. He wrote uh, Forever and Ever Man, Randy Travis, uh-huh. and so on and so forth. Uh, Jesse Rice wrote the hit Cruise that Florida Georgia Line did, which is the number one selling country music song of all time and part of the reason for that is is shortly after it was released or right before it was released is when they started uh, using downloads and configuring that also but still Mm -hmm. uh let's see uh tom shepherd who was a good friend of ours he wrote redneck yacht club and writing with private malone Mm -hmm. uh aaron schurz a a guy co-wrote the song a girl in a country song where it's maddie and tay sang it and it's about guys make you know being all about girl it's like i'm not gonna be that but a guy wrote that song wow, strangely enough i didn't know that uh yeah i'm trying to think of who who else but mainly it, it's it's like that uh gramps morgan who is a grammy winning reggae artist uh henry capono who is uh a hawaiian that has uh like 21 of the hawaiian equivalent of grammys uh strangely enough i have never met jimmy buffett what? and i was supposed to meet yeah i was supposed to meet him and I was, I, the last two years, I was actually on the national board for the Paradise and Paradise, which is in charge of all the clubs and people. But in, when I was facing on the USS Ronald Reagan uh, in San Diego, Jimmy Buffett was at a concert in San Diego. And so he wanted to come do a tour of the USS Ronald Reagan. And of course, because the captain knew I was a huge Jimmy Buffett fan, he assigned me and one other, uh, an officer to be the tour guide for him. And so I'm like, okay, cool. I finally get to meet Jimmy Buffett. This is going to be great. And so here comes his, his big old bus coming down the thing, stops at the pier. And all these people are getting out, and I'm shaking hands. Hi, you know, welcome to USS Ronald Reagan. And the last person gets out, I'm looking at nothing. I'm like, uh, where's Jimmy? And he's like, 
Uh, oh, you know, he couldn't make it. He had something more pressing to do. Uh, no. So, co- yeah, come to find out he was surfing up the coast uh, somewhere, like in uh, Malibu or something. Oh, uh, but it was cool because, yeah, I still got to give, you know, the guys. It was some of, a couple of his roadies, but it was his video crew because they were shooting video on the ship to use that night at the concert uh, for, you know, the big screen. And so I – it was cool because I did get on that, and now it's a it's a video on uh, YouTube, and I got am on that video. But that was a little disappointing. But yeah, wow. so I, one one day I'll probably meet him. But it's funny. One of our singer songwriter friends has a song where I never met the man, and of course he's talking about Jimmy Buffett. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and part of the song is when I tell people this, they always have to tell me about the time they met him. I don't care. My point is, I haven't met him. I don't want to hear about the time you met him. Well, you you should make that a retirement goal. You can't retire until you meet him. Yeah, I, I need to get an interview with him. That's, that should be a thing. Yes, absolutely. I think you deserve it after all of this coverage and all that you've done for his music genre. I think you probably deserve it. You you could probably shout that out to him and, and uh, beg for it and probably make it happen. Yeah. But if I want to leave it, your listeners with anything about this whole story about, well, yeah, it's fun, it's great, it's, you know, uh, it's all because, you know, there was there was a there was a key part when I made that promotion in the two years, uh, and when my wife and I well what do we do you know one day we will move to the beach that was also a time two of my classmates passed away within like a two week period, mm. and then I heard a song that Tom Shepard did and it's uh, less time working more time drinking beer and it's about uh, his dad that wished he had uh, spent more time uh, you know relaxing at the age of sixty two rather than continuing to work and so. After those two classmates uh, passed away and I heard that song, I was like, now, we have to do it now. You know, there's no time like now. And so my my advice to anyone listening is if you're at that crossroads and you have the opportunity, yes. just take take a chance and, and do something that you can do now and you're probably not going to be able to do later. Absolutely. That has been my my mission that I've been preaching for the last six months. The same thing. You, you, you get one life. You don't have any guarantee of tomorrow. And yeah, it, do and see and, and love as much as you possibly can with the time that we're here. And, and yeah, it's, it's amazing. This, that's what this show is, is so much about, is hearing all the different ways that people have found, I, I call it freedom, in which is exactly what, what you're describing. But oftentimes that freedom is just the ability to you know, do whatever it is that brings joy to your heart. And it, it looks different to everybody, which is obvious by the every interview that I've done is different. So whatever brings you joy, find it, go do it and take a risk to to obtain it. I'm all about it. That's right. Yes. Well, Eric, it has been an absolute pleasure. You are my last interview for the day before I head off for a weekend medita- uh, meditation retreat, and I've got a great big grin on my face. I'm super, super excited. You've left it with high energy. I'm grateful for your time, your energy, and your inspiration. Um, where can listeners find you? It is so darn simple. Radiotroprock.com. Boom. And you'll find us, or you Google us, we'll be the first thing that comes up. If you uh, have a smartphone, which everyone does, mm-hmm. go to the app store, look for Radio Trop Rock, and we have apps. They're free, or I, I'm going to try and say, and I bet it does, but we also have an Alexa skill, so you can say, Alexa, hmm. she's going to do it. I know she is. Alexa, play Radio Trop Rock on TuneIn, and she will play our station. Fabulous. Oh, must have run. Yeah. So <laughs> it's very, very easy to tune in. Cool. Well, we're, I'm heading out on a 12-hour road trip, so I will be tuning into that and uh, checking you out on the way. 
then I will also put and all by, this information in my show notes for everyone to, to nice. access. And if you want any input on, you talked about moving to Florida and looking for a beach house or something, mm-hmm. I have some good advice. So send me an email. I can I can definitely point you in the right direction. I've already done the research. Look, Yes, because you are the researching king. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Well, thank you again, Eric. You have a magnificent rest of your week, and we are clocking out. Thanks for listening. For more on this guest, simply check the show notes. Like what you hear? Please subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Together, we can grow and inspire.